you'll turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3, back of the Bible, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy. Second Timothy, Second Timothy three. Let me give you a little bit of background about where on earth this came from. <clears throat> In case you haven't noticed, I hear a lot of stories. Some of them are really, really sad, and some of them are really, really good. And God is over all and in all. Amen. And it's always interesting to me, myself included, how we are constantly trying to find someone who can relate to our story. Have you ever noticed? I saw it really plainly this weekend. I think that's why it gave me such a burden. Because there are women there from all walks of life. One woman goes, I've just never had anything bad ever happen to me. (laughs) And then you have the woman who has been married for 45 years only to find out that her husband had molested her 14-year-old daughter who killed herself and was now molesting their grandchildren and is now in prison. And I make fun of the first one, but you know that first woman needs to have somebody that can relate to her. And the second woman has to have somebody who can relate to her and all the women in between, right? Because regardless of your age, you're constantly going through seasons. Amen? You're going through seasons of your life, seasons of other people's lives, seasons with God, in and out, mad, speaking, not speaking. And you've got to figure out where you are. And sometimes the best way to figure out where you are is to figure out where is God. And a friend of mine, it was kind of actually uncanny. I spoke at this church um, three years ago, actually at a church event. It was just like a dinner thing, a Christian dinner thing, women's dinner thing. And so this woman was the women's leader... She was running a Christian bookstore. She was, you know, like your consummate Martha. I mean, she was just pouring out on people all the time. I mean, if you if you needed anything, she was the one. She just was there. She just loved people, loved women. And uh, that week, so I think I spoke on a Friday night. That following Wednesday, um, she caught her husband with another woman. And she was divorced, homeless, and jobless within six months. Boom. Just like that. Lost her business, left her church, started working two jobs to try to make ends meet. I mean, it was crazy. And so we were doing question and answer session, which we need to do that some here sometime just for fun, if I'm feeling froggy, which I'm not. And um, she wrote on big, one card, and she wrote one word, and it said, why? And they didn't sign them, but I knew whose card it was. I knew it was her card. Because she's trying to, she thinks that if she can figure out why, she can do something about her life. Do you understand? Now, while we're sitting here assessing how the folly of her, think about your own life, about how many times you're asking why, and what am I going to do, and what am I going to do? And the answer to the why question is who? Because see, why is never going to get you anywhere. Because why, honestly, is none of your business. Because even God... When you ask why, he's going to say, it's none of your business. If I choose to tell you, I'll tell you. But that's not really the question. I think I don't have this. Can you guys see? Can you see? Megan, can you all see? I I can imagine what you're writing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Megan is... (laughs) Who? That's the answer to the question. Who? Because whether you like it or not, 
God is using all manner of circumstances to hem you in. And there is all kinds of ways that we make up stories about... We try to translate our circumstances to try to make sense of them, to try to shift the blame off ourselves. Amen? You all seen that? Oh, I was completely helpless in the whole situation. No, you totally self-sabotaged. You set this up, and now you're trying to make a bullshit story about it just so that you can feel okay and sleep at night, which really what happened is you set this up. If you haven't read the book, I, I think I have, maybe I think I taught on this. I might have done it in a retreat. It's a book called Emotional Bullshit. Are you all familiar with that book? That's really the name of it, Emotional Bullshit. I liked him immediately. I don't even know who he is. I just liked him that he would name a book that. And he talks about the toxic trio. Denial. Delusion and blame. If I can deny my responsibility in any given circumstance, then I can make up a story about what happened so that, if possible, I can put the blame on anywhere but myself. The toxic trio is the most beautiful way of you escaping personal responsibility for your own life. Toxic trio. And it's one of those things that this kind of murks up in really ugly places and we don't really like to talk about it or look at it. But even in the toxic trio, God's at work. Do you understand? Because He's all the time flushing, flushing, flushing because He wants us to be free even more than we do. So He sets up these circumstances and I've even seen Him consciously set me up just to see what I'm going to do. Has anybody else experienced this? And sometimes I fall flat on my face and I get mad and I blame him that you set me up and you shouldn't have done that, blah, blah, blah. And then there's times that I can see progress and I look back at him and go, that was so smart. I'm getting better. Do you see that? I didn't punch that person dead in the face. That's so great. I'm doing better. Or like I'll have a response like, I have to get back to you. I don't know if you if you're a hot tempered person like I am, that takes a lot of self control to say, I'll get back to you. Can anybody say amen? <laughs> Thank you, Heather. One person. Yes. Because normally I would have, you know, and then I go, I need to call you back. And so it's like the Lord's teaching me how to uh, let me get you back to you. So I like those kinds of things. And I also like that the Lord is showing me more of who I am than more of who I thought I was. So many of us have been told who we, we are or are not. And we spend the rest of our lives trying to prove or disprove that. Did you get that? You've been told who you are or are not. And then you spend the rest of your life trying to prove or disprove that. And I'm still saying, instead of asking why do they have permission to do that, wrong question, Lord, who are you? And who do you say I am? And where, you know, who do you say, where are we going? What do you say that you want to do with my life? Now, that is probably the nicest thing I'm going to say all night for about 15 minutes. Okay? Now, turn to 2 Timothy 3. And uh, let me show you what why I think this passage is really important. We had an incident with Salem this week. Not a big deal, really. But it gave me a total heads up. And I was up that night in the middle of the night. And I feel like it's... It's a, it's a lesson for all of us as women. So I'm going to read out of uh, the NIV, 2 Timothy 3. And um, I looked up like four or five different translations, but I think I gave you this translation. I, you have this on your sheet, so you can read along with me, 2 Timothy 3. But mark this. I'd like for you just to underline phrases as they jump out at you. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, Proud, abusive, 
disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Ah, This next line, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Wow, have nothing to do with such people. Now, in this particular passage, the history of this is they're talking about men. Specifically, this is specifically targeted toward men. Could you see any relation to your own life in any of this passage here? It was really frightening for me when I did that. Especially the having a form of godliness but denying its power was really frightening for me. And also, I was really struck by, you have to understand, all of these things, all of the, you know, end of verse 2 through end of verse 5, began with what phrase? People will be lovers of themselves. It all starts there. And everything else pours out of that one fact. So be really mindful about that. Okay? For men or for women. Money, abusive, proud, blah, blah, blah. That all comes out of lovers of themselves. And then look at this next passage. They are the kind of women. They are the kind, sorry, who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women. I think I just lied to you. Hold on one second. Uh, Yeah, this is not, this is, this is not, um... NIV, this is NASB. No, sorry, ESV. ESV, this is ESV. Because in the NIV, it says weak-willed women. And I want you to make sure that you write that over gullible women. Weak-willed women. And then um, it says, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. And the women, the women... And uh, the other translations called evil desires, uncontrolled passions. Really powerful. Uncontrolled passions. And these women are always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Always learning, but never come to a knowledge of the truth. But just as Jane's... And John's and John Bros opposed Moses. So are also are these teachers. These teachers oppose the truth. Now we're speaking of men. They are men of depraved mind, who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Now I want to just uh, sit in this just for a minute because um, I'm kind of giving you a teaching. By proxy, because we had an incident with Salem, we went and sought counsel from a godly man that we love, and he brought us this scripture. And this is some of this is his revelation. Some revelations the Lord has continued to teach me. Okay, is everybody good with that? Um, he was talking about how men, women are constantly responding. To men. Women are constantly responding to men. Now, that's not a bad thing because we are relationship driven, right? No secret about that. Azer Warrior, part of our original intent, relationship driven. So we are responding to men. But if we don't teach women how to respond to men like this, 
this passage up here, it sets up a pattern that they will do throughout the rest of their life. And I have read this passage and I have gone, well, I am so not a weak-willed woman and I am not going to be taken in. I'm not going to let some SOB worm their way into my life. Really? Let's look at the first 25, 30 years. Uh, 30, okay, the, okay, 45 years of my life. And what, I, what he said and then what the Lord brought back to was the whole notion about a weak-willed woman. A weak-willed woman is someone who has knowledge, but she doesn't actually know how to own the truth for herself. And so it's not like she's a wimpy woman. It's not that kind. Weak-willed is lack of consciousness about how to respond to evil when she sees it. She gets sucked into somebody else's drama, another man's drama. She gets sucked into his... Listen, she gets sucked into his definition of truth. Do you understand? And so she frames and responds her whole life around what he thinks he wants, what ought to happen. You happen to see this in Christian circles and outside Christian circles. She doesn't know how to stand by herself on her own in her knowledge of God to defend herself in this way. And so what I'm seeing is this whole rash, and we've done this to our daughters, that mama got pregnant out of wedlock or mama got divorced and so she ended up trying to support herself. So we've raised up all these generations of girls. Get on the pill right away so you're not going to get knocked up like I did. Heaven forbid. And then please make sure you get a college education because God's going to bail on you. You've got to be able to provide for yourself. So we've created this strong woman being able to take care of herself because we don't want her to be a weak-willed woman. But what we haven't taught her how to do is how to stand strong in the Lord because it's not being her faculties that are weak, it's her resolve. It's her knowledge, it's who she is as a woman, that I'm an object of worth, I belong to the king, I'm defended by the king, you have no rights here, you will not worm yourself into my household. And if you're going to be honest, most women that you know got sucker punched by somebody doing what? Talking sweet. He didn't come busting in her door, she opened the door wide open for him, did she not? Amen? Y'all could talk to me today. You let him walk right in the door and say, come on in. And there's a way of being weak-willed. And what he said, this was, uh, Jim said this, as it related to Salem, because Salem was being, I know you can't imagine my child being aggressive, but she was kind of being (laughs) forward and aggressive, right? And so we were talking to her about our conversation before this council. We understand that you're strong. You're a warrior. God's made you like that. It's okay. I'm not talking that down to you in any way. But you've got to learn how to position and train your strength, which was very wise counsel. But then we heard this scripture and Jim's perspective on it. And what we realized was, is that she was so out of control of her own passions. Unbridled passions was another translation. Unbridled passions. That she let this guy worm himself into her emotional state that she's so angry she's going to punch him out. So she wasn't working out of strength at all. She was working out of total weak-willed positioning. Do you understand? Because if she was walking in strength, she'd go... Because she'd know who she was. She'd have enough self-control. She'd have enough knowledge of God that she would be able to go, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing. And she could walk away from that. 
But he had wormed himself into her emotional status that she is so out of control. Unbridled passions. So I think about this, and I want you to just take a look. Do you have any unbridled passions that make you vulnerable to the opposite sex who are out there, the Bible says, they're out there waiting, just waiting, watching, 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 that can worm their way into and and then be to your detriment. And I also, with fear and trembling, you should maybe take a look at your marriages. You should take a look at your current relationships. Are your relationships full of these things? Lovers of money, lovers of self. Have you got a notion about manhood that are based on these things? What are you seeing in your home? What does it look like? And then what are you doing as a woman to withstand that? Are you just sucking right along right next to it and calling that submission? Or are you standing in the knowledge of God and standing for wisdom and righteousness regardless of what God's doing over here and what this man is doing? Because we get so enmeshed that we have a hard time separating ourselves, oneness in the Lord, oneness in flesh, and all that kind of stuff. And the Bible's real plain about it. Okay, any question on that before I go too much further? Aren't y'all glad you came? Huh? <laughs> yeah. You're standing on the right. Well, that's a great question because this is the next passage. It says, go on, he's saying, and Paul is saying, he's talking to Timothy, he's going, this is not who you are. This is not who I, this is not what I've given you to be. This is not who I've called you. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life. Paul, Timothy, Paul is writing this to Timothy, and he's talking about himself. But you can account this to the Lord. You know all about my teaching. Jesus is saying, you know my way of life. You know my purpose. Pay attention to that word, my purpose. Faith, patience, love, endurance. Jesus is all of those. The persecutions and sufferings. And what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. The persecutions I endured, endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Also a super powerful verse. What are you going through? The Lord rescues you. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse. That's a very, very scary sentence. Pay attention to your relationships. Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Why don't you put a, like, draw a line out on your paper and ask the question, what have you been convinced of? What are things about God that you have become convinced of over time? Because you know those from whom you heard it. Who are you listening to? And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I just wonder sometimes, women, are we actually attempting to become wise? Are you trying to learn head knowledge? Or are you trying to align with what God wants is a totally transformed life? How many areas, how many pockets of our life are going, I'm good, I'm good here, I'm good here, I'm good here, I'm good here. And the Lord is constantly trying to walk us into wisdom. Come this way, come this way. Step by step, come this way. Come on, we're going this way. To making us wise. 
And then it says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching. I don't know if you've ever heard teaching on this. I often don't teach on this passage because I think it's just taught to death. Okay? But if you've never heard teaching on the next couple of verses, it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, to make you wise, for rebuking, getting you back in line, correcting and training in righteousness. You want to know how to live the God life? The scripture can show you how to do that. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God is using every single thing in your life to equip you for every good work. Every time you go through difficulty, instead of asking why, you could actually go, Lord, thank you that you're using this to equip me for every good work. We don't like to say that. We don't like to do that. We don't like the hardship that we go through. But how else would you like for God to equip you? I mean, let's just do round to How else could God equip you? He could send you a DVD. What else could he do? He could ting you with a magic wand. You like that one? Okay. What else? I mean, how do you learn? When you go to the gym, what do they do? Honey, just sit down and have this donut. God love you. Is that what they do? Is that what you do? What do you do? They do the hard work. And do they complain? Do they want to quit? Do they think you're picking on them? Do they think that you do they do they think that you want too much of them? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why do you push them then? Why do you push them beyond what they can do? Did you hear what Anne said? That you, she said, you know what they're capable of. So your God knows what you're capable of. Why? How does God know what you're capable of? Uh, right. And like somehow we've done this disconnect. I was reading, what was I reading? Uh, oh, John D's book, of course. His book is going to come out. You guys, just you need to put some pennies back because you just got to get his book. It's crazy. But he's talking about the, the way of thought. And I'm not going to do it justice. And so the Jews and the Stoics and the Epicureans and history. So it goes, God is, there's lots of rules. You should follow them. God has no feeling and emotion. God is distant. And so that is our spiritual legacy that's been passed down for thousands of years. Follow the rules or you're going to get smote. Then, you know, you don't need any emotion because it's all about thinking and about God is distant and uninterested. And so we have been bought into this idea of Christianity, which is totally counter to what Scripture teaches. I am my beloved, and he is mine. I'm with you, low to the end of the earth. Ever will I leave you, my peace I give, not as the world gives. I mean, shall we go on and on and on? Scripture everywhere tells us about his availability, his willingness to be involved, and his supernatural power that is ours to do what only he wants, which is make us into who we really are. You know, this is something that just keeps brewing, and you're going to have to just keep coming back there. There's the you that you are right now, and there's the you that you're going to be one day. And somewhere in here is your death. But God's in the business of transformation. And too many of us, I think, think that transformation is going to start here. But it's not. Transformation started the day that you took your first breath. Actually, I guess transformation started the day that he brought the sperm and the egg together. But then he's been moving, moving, moving because he knows what he's doing. 
And he's trying to show you something about himself. And he's trying to show you that there's a way to live differently. I, I love women, mostly. I do love women. I do love women. But we have an amazing capacity to excuse our bad behavior. Amazing capacity to excuse our bad behavior. And if somebody can feel sorry for us, then somehow we should be excused. And I'm going, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Right here, emotional bullshit. I'm just seeing the title of the book, Emotional Bullshit. It's all I'm saying. If you can deny what you're doing, that you're in any way responsible, then you can create up a story, and then you can blame somebody else somewhere along the way, and then that way you don't ever have to do anything. And what you do when you dismiss yourself like that is you totally miss the opportunity to to see God show up in your life. Supernaturally. Because that's who your God is. He loves showing off. He loved that Saturday. He loved that the devil had had that woman by the throat And it came down. He's going, not tonight. He loved that. Every woman there knew that they were in the presence of the living God. Already he was there. But man, that sealed the deal. Because you're watching transformation before your very eyes. And it's what we all long for. And it's what you and I pray for in somebody else. But we're so slow to believe about ourselves. And he's not like working on Lachelle and Laura this week and the rest of us have to wait our turn. He's not like that. It's constantly working all the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say something that you said sparked. Um, I don't, you weren't at church Sunday, were you? Uh-uh. It's funny how this is all going to go. It's good. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I was just laying around doing nothing. No, but if you can get the CD, get it because it's going on a lot. It's tracking with what you're saying. But I love what Rick said. It's not like you messed up and God's like, oh, i got to go fix that. That's not in the road. I mean, he knew. It was all tracking along the whole time. And it's not like he's, I, and I was like, yeah, I think that. I do something. He's reacting, trying to fix what I was. Like it's a patch-up job. Like it was a like patch-up job. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow, it's, he's working always, not reacting. Amen. Just like what I told the women on Sunday when I was in laying in bed doing nothing was all your, all your sins were future tense of the cross, right? Jesus came, he died on the cross. You, you weren't even around. Your mama, your grandma, your great-grandma wasn't even around. But he died for your sins. Do you understand? So the sins that you commit five years from now, five minutes from now, ten years from now, already on the cross. And so when you know that, when you walk in that, it gives you an incredible amount of security and confidence in a God who sees you and knows you and knows your flaws and goes, I'm still not talking about sin. I, I feel like I say this all the time like a broken record. He's still not talking about your sin. He wants to talk about who you're really supposed to be. And even this passage is not a point of finger at you. He's like going, be wise. Wake up. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. I'm telegraphing. There are men and they're going to take advantage of you. And here's how you can see them. Those of you who are single are trying to find a godly man. Right here it is. Right here it is. Is he a lover of himself? Is he all about himself? Is he a lover of money? Is he abusive? Is he brutal? Pay attention to what kind of movies he watches. What is his character? He's telling you. Track list. Bing, 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 bing. Right down here. Right now. And it's going, don't have anything to do with them. Look what the Bible says. It says, have nothing to do with such people. Having a form of godliness, but denying his powers. How many women, sisters, how many Well, he says he's a Christian, but he doesn't have much of a relationship with God. Out of there. You're out of there. 
because he is has a form of godliness, but he denies its power. And then what do we do? Oh, but he's a puppy, and I just love him. Stupid, 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 stupid. Here's your sign, stupid woman. And I say that because the cost is so high to us girls. It doesn't just, it doesn't, we're not got get our fingers bruised, girls. It's killing us. It's killing our kids. Because you know what? You got stupid woman, and what does she do? Raise stupid daughters. Amen? Are you, am I lying? How many generational do you see? What was the story I just heard this week? Oh, I just can't even tell you. I just can't even tell you. Over, over, over and over. There's got to be a different way, and there is. There's a beautiful way that you can do this. And I want you to turn to... Let me see, what, what did I give you? Could I give you... It says, it says, place your life before God. Could I give you that on the back side? Okay, here's the good news. This is out of Romans 12. I, I accidentally didn't give you that when I was photocopying it. So right there at the top, Romans 12. There's a way of doing life in God that is radically, radically different. Now... Put your paper down and don't look at it just that we're going to come to it. But I want you to just listen to it in the NIV. It says, therefore, I urge you, sisters, in view of God's mercy. Stop right there. You just read, you just sang this song. Uh, uh, and like a flood, your mercy reigns. How many saw flooding yesterday? Does that give you a visual? And like a flood, your mercy reigns. What does it actually mean to you? That God's mercy is brand new every single day. Every single time that you look and you see the sun come up, you can say, Lord, thank you that I have a clean slate and your mercy is brand new today. You want to do something to rescue your marriage? Chuck and I do this on a regular basis. Today is clean slate day. Brand new mercies today. We forgive everything that's gone before. When you find that you're constantly irritated and agitated and there's like, and then, and then, and then, and then, the Bible calls that keeping a record of wrongs. And if you'll call clean slate day and you put all that stuff that's unresolved in the hands of the living God as if he's there, as if he already knows about it and he's working through all that, and you, can, you're, you and your husband can take a deep breath. Clean slate day. Now, if you're in a dysfunctional relationship, don't take that counsel and think that that applies to tolerance of any wicked and evil behavior. Do you see how a weak-willed woman would do that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, well, I need to forgive him. No, you just need some boundaries, darling. There's a difference. But inside of marriage, there's a way that you can just wipe the slate clean and begin again a new mercy. So I love that passage. In view of God's mercies, because you are a recipient of God's mercy. If you're alive and you're in Christ, you've received his mercy. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's such church language. It's so churchy. But I'm going to help you break it down, hopefully. Holy and pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a way that the world that you live in is trying to force you into some kind of pattern. You see it everywhere. Clothes, cars, makeup, hair color, hairstyle. Everywhere, conform, conform, conform. If, actually, if you're not, just go wasting it out there. Even in church, right, there is a pattern that we want people to conform to. Read your Bible every day and do it like this every day. And do this and do it, conform, conform, conform. 
But Jesus is talking about transform altogether outside. Something that he does. You once were this and you are becoming this. That's what God has had in mind all the time. He's not trying to make you look like everybody else. He's trying to make you look like who you really is. Who you've always really been. Not what your mama, your daddy, your boyfriend, your husband ever said to you or didn't say to you. Who he's always called you to be. And that gets me so fired up. I don't... I just get so fired up about the notion. I can't wait to see who I'm really supposed to be. Do anybody else have that kind of hunger? Because I know I'm not really, really, really just a weak, sniveling, little pissy woman. I know that I'm more than that. I got to be. I mean, the reason that people get so hopeless is because they think this is it. This ain't it. There is a transformation in process. And so our hope is in the one who called it forth and is continuing to call it forth. And guess what? He ain't never going to change his mind. See, we've gone along the path with certain people. We've worked out. We've done this. We've been accountability partners. You don't let that one go on down the river. There it goes. And we just do all this formality of stuff and we eventually fall away one side or the other. But he is the one that sticks closer than a brother. He's not leaving. He can't leave. Do you understand? He can't leave and wouldn't leave even if he could. Because he's in it for life. He was in it from here and he's going to be all the way to here because he can't wait to be with you. He is the one who knows the unveiled you truly. So if you know that there is an unveiled you truly on the horizon, does it make all this basic training that you're going through a little bit more endurable? I don't want to say anything, but I walked through a dead woman's house today and it just really got my spirit all whacked out. Have you ever walked through a dead person's house? Like just, you know what I'm talking about? It's vacant. It's just there's stuff in there. I've done that several times in my lifetime and it does something to you because you can't help but stand among their belongings and they're gone and go, one day it's going to be me. My stuff is going to be here, but I'm out of here. And depending on your excitement level, that's a great temperature check about your relationship with Jesus. Because I found that I was standing there, wood, hay, and stubble, going to all be burned up. And I'm going, one day, Lord, one day. And I got so fired up. Because even Karis and I talk about that. Mom, I'm going to be so sad when you go on to heaven. Thank you. I'm like going, I'm not that old, you know. <laughs> and I said, it's okay, honey. I said, I'm just going to be there before you do. And she says, well, I just, I know you're going to be so happy to be with Jesus. And I said, I am. I am. This ain't it. This is not it. So all these temporary things that we walk through, these temporary afflictions, they do you understand what I'm saying? They are temporary. The worst problem that you have today is temporary. And so that gives you a great amount of hope. And I know that some of you are facing these huge obstacles. But here's my confidence in the Lord. I tried to explain this to somebody the other day. Is that when when you've got a great big mountain in front of you, here's how big your God is. He's on this side of the mountain with you. He's on the other side calling you across. And he's the one that's going to give you the strength either to go through it or over. Why? Because he's the one that made stupid mountain. You're covered. You're so good. And like you want to get to a place of expectation, of expectancy, of knowing that your God is strong enough and big enough and willing enough to take on anything you're taking on. 
It's just like amazing. So present yourself as a living sacrifice and don't be conformed to the world, how the world does things, but be transformed by your mind. And then you want to know what God's will is? Do that as a living sacrifice. Now, I want you to come to the sheet of paper that I gave you because this is out of the message. <clears throat> I just think it's fantastic. You got your pass, your message, your sheet of paper, rather. Dancy, do you have something you can share? Hi, Dancy. Okay. Your life before God. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. You should underline that. You're not trying to do this by yourself. God's going to help you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Stop right there. Why do you think that God is in some places and not in others? Are you screaming at your kids? God's there. Are you at home on a Friday night, sad and depressed? God's there. He's in the dreams and desires that you have. He's in the depressions and the sad and the self-pity parties. Do you know that God's even in your self-pity parties? He, he's right there going, are you, are you, done, are you done yet? <laughs> Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Embracing. Look at that word. Embracing. You're not flipping Him off. You're embracing going, Lord, you're with me. I'm going to take this. If you're giving it to me, I'm going to take it. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. That's how you become a strong-willed woman instead of a weak-willed woman. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. How many of us are so slow? Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Look at that phrase, you guys. Immaturity. Immaturity in God means I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. He's little. He's distant. He doesn't love me, right? Maturity, spiritual maturity is growing in confidence and knowledge and the love of God and the affections of God. You're, that's, what you're, that's where God's taking you. Ever growing in your knowledge and your, not Bible knowledge, that's not done many of us very much good. Amen? When our Bible knowledge started helping us, like I can have all kinds of kitchen utensils, Bible knowledge. I can have all kinds of recipes. But until I actually start cooking, and heaven forbid I start loving to cook, now I know how to use all those utensils and all those recipes. And now, wow, look what happens. You can have all manner of Bible knowledge, but it comes out of the relationship that you have with them. It's always relationship.